0: Welcome, everybody, to Catfish Weekly, along with Patriot James Smith. I'm Lyle Stokes, and tonight, James, we've got a bang-up deal for everybody that wants to learn how to locate fish.
1: Yes, sir. Sound like all kind of fish, too.
0: Any kind of fish you want to catch. Ted Ellensbecker's here with us, and we're going to get to Ted in just a minute. But I want to mention something. I'm glad to see Sonny Parker's in here because he'll get a kick out of this. I want everybody to keep poor old James Dockery in your thoughts and prayers. Old James has had a little rough go here lately, and it's not that Sonny and I haven't been making the best out of it, but it it is a pretty serious thing, and we don't want him to do too much suffering, Uh, but he's been through a lot, and then today he went out and caught a bunch of little dinky fish, so, you know. It is what it is. This this will probably this show will probably benefit him a great deal. At least he'll be able to find some fish.
1: Uh, yeah, was finding dinks. That's better than no fish.
0: That that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And <laughs> I'm, I had some other stuff I was going to talk about with James, but I'm going to let that slide just because I'm a nice guy.
1: Uh, and <laughs> I think both of you nice guys. So
0: yeah, <laughs> Ellen Becker, how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing good. Been a good summer. A little different because of everything going on. But it good. has
0: been. It has been. I see you and your girls been catching
2: a bunch of fish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my girls have been having a good summer. They, they, they're they thinking their way through it, and they are getting into some good fish this year.
0: Absolutely, man. It's great. We're always happy to have you on here. Um, you're probably the most requested person that we get contacted about having back, and that's because of the quality <laughs> information that you share with everybody, and we are really appreciate it. So what I'm going to do is, for everybody that's watching, this will just be a seminar, just like they paid to go in someplace to see you. And we're just going to sit back and let you go. And when you're done, you can let us know, and then we'll start the question and answer. So you guys can, in chat, if you want to talk amongst yourself, but hold your questions till the end of the seminar, And then we'll get as many of them answered from Ted as we can catch. But remember now, when you're in that chat, if you go too fast, we're going to miss some of them. So you'll have to keep reposting them if you want them answered because there's no way we can catch them all when you guys start throwing them out there. And with that being said, take her away, Ted.
2: All right. Well, to start with, I just, I want to, this may seem a little unusual, but I want to get everybody on the same page. If I can show you just two objects and just right out of your gut what you think they are, okay? Just just answer the question, real simple. Here's the first one. What would you say this is? I'd say that's a rock. Yes, sir. Well, and I'd say you're absolutely right. Thank you. I got one more. Okay. I'll show you right now. There is a reason for this. We'll get to it. That's
0: yeah. a stick. Yep.
2: That would be a stick. Yep. yep. Okay, thank you. We're on the same page with that. There's a reason for it, and we get to it in just a second. All right, coming up to this, I've been telling everybody that this information can be used on any species, any water, and the presentation type doesn't really make a difference, and I want to explain that a little bit. We're dealing with an audience tonight that has a good variety of different fishermen, And I don't want them to think because we're gonna be talking about structures because that is the foundation of finding fish that if they pull plugs or if they drift or cast or jig or whatever bounce that they can't use a structure, okay? That's not right. Structures are not limited in size. You can have a structure as big as a one car garage. You can have a structure that actually stretches two or three miles if you have an old river channel an old road bed that connects to two points and some some elements in between that is your structure so you're not limited in size you can take any presentation you want to fish a structure you just need to pick the structures that adapt to your presentation okay so we'll get that out of the way i don't want anybody getting nervous on it you know and this will be to find fish now there's a difference between finding fish and when you already know where they are. Obviously, if you know they're sitting on the rocks, go to the rocks. If this <laughs> is going are on the water, and or you're going to a new lake, going to your water, and you don't have the information as to where the fish are exactly, what do you do? How do you find those fish? This is what this information can do for you, regardless of the species. So. What I just showed you, we want to go a little further with. I showed you a rock. I showed you a stick. And the reason I did this, because if information doesn't make sense to you, it doesn't have any value. Right? I mean, it doesn't make sense. doesn't have any value. You don't remember it. You don't use it. In 1956, 1957, there's a freshwater angler that made the comment that anything connected to the bottom was structured. So, and the game departments use this today some. So this rock laying on the bottom of the lake, regardless of the size, this size would be called structure. The problem with that is that we don't use that. Would you call that structure? No. You'd call it a rock, and you'd be absolutely right. So we need to understand what structure is a little bit too. But if this isn't structure, what is it? Okay, and this is where I'm going to be a little different than some people that give seminars. I'm going to give you guys credit that you know your species probably better than I do. I'm not a specialist. I don't just fish blue cats. I don't just fish musky, northerns, trout. I fish a lot of different fish. So you guys out there that are specialists, blue cats, flats, musky, northerns, crappie, whatever, you probably know that species better than I do. Now, darn well guarantee you know with the body of water you fish better than I do. So I want you, as we go through this, to think about the elements in your body of water. Now, what's an element? An element, by definition, is a characteristic or a piece that is essential to make something. Okay? So these would simply be elements. Rocks in the water are elements of that lake. The stick in the water is an element in that lake. But what you gotta remember when you change bodies of water, different lakes have different elements, right? So you need to collect information and information is the foundation for your success or your failure. Information is what you use to make decisions on the water, right? More information, more correct information, the easier it is. What we're gonna do tonight, we're gonna give you a strategy that you can use Anywhere, anytime, with very little information to actually locate fish. And this is where your knowledge of the fish come in. Some fish like different elements, obviously. Uh, Like when I fish northern pikes, I look for rock shorelines connected to bulrushes. That's one of my favorites. Okay, there's two elements. But on a different body of water, well, maybe it's just some underwater weed beds. I don't know that. I don't know your body of water. You need to find what elements the species you're looking for, very important, are using on that body of water, okay? That's the first step on this. But before, okay, before that, to make a trip successful, you got to do something that a lot of people forget to do. What do you want to get? What do you want to get out of the trip? Do you want some fryers? Do you want a trophy fish? Okay, let's make your trip pleasant. You cannot get a 16-pound walleye out of a lake that doesn't have one. If you want a trophy fish to start with, you have to pick a body of water that has that. If you want briars, you have to pick a body of water that has that, okay? That's just the base for fun. the base, the foundation for success. If you don't pick that kind of body of water, you're gonna be disappointed, regardless of how good you are or how good a job you're doing in preparation all right so what is the structure then we're going to get to that right now by definition worldwide in the dictionary the structure is the relationship or the connection of pieces and parts pretty simple so that would eliminate this again and that would eliminate this again so before we go any further I'm going to show you what a structure is. One example, okay? If I can get this in here. Move my camera just a touch. Okay, can everybody see this? Yep. This, we're going to pretend is a hump. It's a bunch of gravel. We're just going to pretend it's a hump, okay? So the other definition of structure that's used is by a saltwater angler. And he says if it's a change in the bottom, that's structure. Well, so that would be this, a hump. The problem is if you were fishing on a lake, say on the north shore, and you were fishing a hump, you wouldn't say, Why well, is fishing a structure? If you did, everybody would go, Well, what were you? And then you say, Well, I was fishing a hump. Right? Okay, so there's your elements. To have a structure and to use this strategy, this is what you're looking for. We'll say you got a hump. Now you got some rock, now you got a tree laying in there. This is the structure, this is how you locate fish. And I'm gonna explain exactly why. Each element in a body of water has the capability to do different things, okay? And attracts fish for different reasons. Rocks, example, might have crayfish, leeches, whatever hiding underneath them. The wood elements, as a rule, collect a lot of freshwater shrimp and little buggy creatures, track minnows, bigger fish, bigger fish, bigger fish. The hump, different water levels, different temperature, possibly shade, depending on where it comes to the surface, you might have some moss or some uh, weed growth up on top. Okay, so a high percentage structure like that will hold concentrate and hold fish more, more often than not, because the fish don't have to move. It's real simple. You now I was talking a little earlier, you know. Well, you can't pull plugs on that. You can't pull plugs in a little circle. But if you have an old road bed, well, we'll do it like this. For those of you that drift, for those of you that bump, for those of you that troll, we'll just say here's your road bed. Here's your river channel. Maybe it's a half mile long, maybe it's a mile long. There's a pile of rock or an island on one end, and here's some submerged trees on the other end. This is still a structure. Doesn't matter if it's 10 feet or two miles. Now, the elements will still work the same. Some of the fish using this structure will utilize rocks at some time a year, some time a day. They'll use this as a travel way and hunt on it at some time, and they'll hunt this. Okay? So the trick is to find structures like these that have the elements put together that attract the species you're looking for. It's pretty simple actually, but you really have to know your species and you have to know the body of water. That's all there is to it. Now, how do you, when I say any species, well, here's the kick. On these structures I just showed you, what kind of fish would hold on there? Oh, maybe crappie, maybe perch. Oh boy, blue cats, flatheads, channels, musky, northerns. Here's where the angler picks the presentation to fit the species. It's not that hard to comprehend. It works very easy. So strategy will work any species, any body of water, if you collect the information that's needed to make the right decision on the water. Once you fish a structure like this and you locate the fish that you want to find then of course you can adjust and just work structures that have those elements that are holding the fish that day now that can change every day it can change from morning to afternoon they might be on the rock in the morning maybe it's a little shallower you might be on the ledge you might be at the base of the ledge you need to find that and the biggest mistake that people make and i'm going to give you an example I was up in Ontario, and we were fishing northerns, and we were on a lake, and we had, it was not really crowded, but there are other fishermen there, and we had a really cool little structure area, had a nice little bay, and we had lily pads on, on the south side of the bay, and they kind of, then the water level changed and moved into bulrushes, and we noticed that the bulrushes dropped at like four feet from the bank, they just cut off, just like a straight line, all the way down for about a quarter mile. Um, There's two boats that went ahead of us. Nobody got hit. We were watching them, nobody got hit. They were hundred yards ahead of us. So we went in and here's where you make your three presentations or your presentation to each element on those structures. Okay, we started off on the lily pads, throwing a spinner Nice big blade so we can bump it off the lily pad, swim it through. We're in about two foot of water. We didn't get any hits. Fine. We moved to the bulrushes, and we went to a silver Dr. Spoon, okay? And with a weedless treble hook, we're casting into the little pockets and bringing it back up. We didn't get a hit. The element that nobody touched was that ledge. We put on a shad wrap, a large shad wrap, jointed, and we cast parallel, To that drop. First cast, we take a 10-pound northern. Nobody had touched that element on that structure. And I and I can't believe why nobody would do that. And they go, Well, I don't want to change lures. I don't want to retie. I don't want to do this. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you already stopped there for a reason. Because you thought the fish were there. Doesn't it make I mean, really, you stopped there because you thought the fish were there, right? So Wouldn't it make more sense to fish that third element before you leave and go run another five, 10 miles to someplace else? You're already there. Now, how important are the different elements? We're fishing cats on, on Sandy Cooper, South Carolina. Some of you have been there, some of you have it. I'm going to give you an example of the different power of different elements here. We had a small bay in the south side of the lake, had uh, all like muscle beds in the bay, right? We caught a blue cat out in front, and that blue cat, you could shake him, sound almost like a baby rattle with shells in him. <laughs> yeah, yeah you've seen it. And, yes. and, well, you could hear him, just chunk, chunk, chunk. And, uh, it's Yep, yep. And, and there's about 30 foot deep out in the mouth of the bay. And, of course, the bay went back up. I mean, if you went all the way back in, it was five feet deep. There's nothing there, you know. And it had two points, you know, one on the west side, one on the east side, just little points that came out. But they actually went out about 50 yards and then dropped into the main lake. The wind was coming out of the east. We started at the east point and drifted across. On the east point, we couldn't get hit. We made about a dozen drifts. Not one hit on the east point. On the west point, where the wind was coming in, and here the wind is an element. The wind was coming in on that west point. As soon as we hit 12 feet deep on that west point, we were nailing channel cats right and left. When we were in 30 feet in the center of the mouth, we were catching blue cats. So because of the absence of elements, the difference in depth, the difference in the element, and then another element, we had no fish, we had blue cats, we had channel cats, all within about a 200-yard area. And you could mark it just like this. Nothing, nothing, blue cat, nothing, nothing. Channel cats, right in the same area, same drift. And that right there tells you you pick your elements for the fish. If we would have wanted channels, we would have started looking for twelve foot, ch- twelve foot, you know, <laughs> points. I mean, obviously that that's where they were sitting right with the wind coming in. So you putting those elements together. See. So now, what makes the difference between a so-so? Structure and a good structure because not all structures are created equal, obviously. You know, I mean, but there's some structures that we're, we're lucky enough to find that, man, I mean, there's always fish there, right? We've all had that. Hopefully, I have. I'm thankful. Okay. It starts with the element. You got the element that the species wants, but all elements are not created equal. And I'm going to use my little stick for this. This is a little stick. There's two types of powers for an element, for any element. There's a low power and there is high powered elements. What's the difference? Real simple. If you laid this stick in a muddy, in a mouth of a bay, how many fish would this stick attract? Probably none. You might have a couple of minnows. Now, what? Now so this is a wood element, so let's take another wood element. What if you drop a cottonwood in that bay? How many fish would lay up there? Okay, so you have an, a low power, no power element, and you have a huge element that will attract fish. Elements gain power two ways. by size or volume, obviously, and their connection to the other element. This by itself would attract a few fish sometimes. These together attract more fish more often. You put them back on the hump, they attract more fish more often, different species. It just becomes a better structure. And that for some of you that haven't heard about it or used it, that's called the theory of three. There's three elements you wanna look for in every body of water that your species is working on. Okay. Now, why three? Well, I'm not a psychologist, but I do know that the human brain works better with three. Uh, You know, two's not enough, four's too many. You got three strikes, you're out, right? I mean, that kind of thing. Everything, you know, the Holy Trinity, everything works in threes. And our brain functions better that way. And when we were testing this, believe it or not, we found when we got to like four or five elements, The fish became too scattered, okay? When we got to three elements, we were finding out at the connection points of elements that the fish were congregating, they're actually congregating and holding. When we got to two elements, we started losing fish. Now that sounds a little strange, but I have to tell you, we started fishing this way in the year 2000, and I hate to say the turn of the century, that kind of ages me, but at the turn of the century, we started doing this. And it wasn't until like 2016 that we decided to actually say something. It's kind of dangerous to come out with something like this and say, I know something you don't. (laughs) You know? (laughs) You better be able to back it up. You know? I mean, you can't just start throwing it out there and say, this works. It does work. And I don't want to Okay, I don't want to be boastful. It's not me, it's this. I'm gonna tell you people that don't know me right now or don't know this system at all. I'm gonna tell you right now, in that time frame, there were numerous dozens of world records set using this strategy over all kinds of different fish. We had walleyes, we had flats, we had blues, we had channels, we had muskie, we had perch, we had white crappie, smallmouth bass, I mean, just on and on and on, okay? So it's been tested, it's been pruned. This isn't just me blowing air at you. And there's three, well, okay. There's three reasons this can be good for you besides just finding fish. Have you, well, if you fished enough, you've had this happen. You're out on the water, okay, and the fish just got locked up. Right, I mean they're just not biting there's nothing you can do and you look at your buddy, you know and you go well what do you, what do we do? you got any ideas? You, yeah, I mean some of you have done I've done that. I used to do it a lot and if you do this you don't have to ask that because you now you, you already know what to do. You realign the elements you're looking for, possibly just realign the elements into a different depth and go back at it because if the fish are biting, there's a difference between fishing and biting. If the fish are biting, you're going to locate them. And The trick to this is that, okay, the the one absolute in fishing, if the fish cannot find or locate your bait, you not only will not get bit, you cannot get bit. The whole reason this is successful is because you increase the number of, of presentations. Say on a bad day, we were just talking about it, and I don't know how to describe the reason, but just because one out of 10 fish could potentially be hooked. That's their mood, okay? could be the weather, could be whatever, time of year, time of day, but one out of 10. So if you present to 10 fish, you have an opportunity to potentially hook one fish. But if you can increase your presentation to 50 fish, now you have the potential to hook five fish. And that's where this comes in. You're looking for structures that are concentrating and holding the fish. As that works through the day, you're presenting to more fish. And it doesn't matter about the presentation. You can catch a bass a lot of ways. You can catch a channel cat a lot of ways. I want you to fish a way that you're confident and comfortable with, because if you are confident, and comfortable, you will fish better. You will fish more confidently. You'll you'll know what you're doing. Now, Now, by that, I'm not saying don't look for new methods. I'm not saying that. Do, okay? But at the same time, for the day you're out, you only have so much information. You're making decisions on the information you have for that day. What's the weather, right? What's the species? What's the body of water? What presentation for that species am I comfortable with? What elements are in this body of water? So at the end of that day, even if you catch nothing, you did it right. I mean, there are days all of us catch nothing, right? But to come off and say, you know, I hate it. I used to do this and I hate this. You come off and you look at the guy next to you and you go, God, what if? what if I did? What if I had? What if I went? All that's doing it to me is admitting I did something wrong. You know? If you use the information you have that day, and you actually just work through the strategy, there's nothing else you could have done. Think about it. The information you have, the species you want, the body of water, the presentation you're comfortable and confident with, and you know works for the species, You fish the structures that should hold fish, right? If anybody's going to catch fish on that body of water, it's going to be you. If they don't, if you don't, you don't have to come off and go, what if? Because you did it right. Now, information that you gathered that day may change that. Maybe the wind will change. Maybe you'll find out, you'll talk to somebody, and they'll say, well, the fish were all biting on the north end of the lake. Okay, hey, so tomorrow, north end of the lake, get out your Navionics chart, get out your get out your maps, find those structures on the north end. Now you're back in the money. Okay, it's just, it's just a, a strategy, it's very simple actually, but people just don't, well, they just don't use it. And they don't know about it. Because to start with, the foundation, the whole thing about structure has never been exploited. It's never been explained. It's never been told or discovered. And you know, by golly, wow! I don't know why. I mean, you know, you've got really great fishermen out there. I think part of the problem is that a lot of the effort that that, well professionals it is to promote product, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with product. I mean, I ask my wife; she'll tell you. I like product. I have a lot of product. <laughs> you know, I do. I like my depth binders, I like <laughs> and reels. I like my hooks and my tackle boxes. I have it. But what equipment and product does is help you do a better job. You know, a smooth casting reel, a good drag, good line, it just helps you do a better job. Tools. But You still have to drive the boat. You still have to interpret what the depth finder is saying. You still have to pick the bait. You have to pick the lure. You have to pick the (laughs) present. And if you want to find fish, you have to pick where you're going to do all of this. And that's where a lot of seminars just get left out. You don't go back to the angler. They go straight to the depth finder, straight to the boat, straight to the drift stock, straight to the bait, straight to the lurst, and that's where they concentrate, but they leave the angler hanging because, now, okay, now I have this, what do I do with it? You can catch a lot of fish on a hook, a sinker, and a line, I mean, that's it, well, any of them, if you put it in the right spot, think about that, you really can you know? So the whole trick to your success in using all of your good equipment, like like I like, is to find the fish. That's just it. You have to find the fish. And if you have a way to do it, a strategy, you can start ahead of time. And this is gonna sound maybe a little weird, but I like to start my if I'm going fishing Saturday, I want to start on Wednesday. And I start by calling my game department and I ask them, you know, I'm going to Lake Elvin. Where are the fish biting on Lake Elvin? I mean, I want to know. And what species? Okay. You, get, you just start gathering information. Call your buddies up. It's not a big deal, but just enjoy it. Extend your fishing trip. Call your buddies. Hey, were you down at Milford last weekend? Mm-hmm. Were they biting up on the causeway? Were they out on the flats? Were they in the humps? Where were they? You know? The more information, now you get there. Were they in 20 foot, 10 foot, 6 foot? Were they out in the 30 foot, you know, main lake? Where were they sitting? You can, you can know all of that before you get to the lake. You can. And it's important you do. Yeah. If you have an avionics uh, or something similar, lake maps, you know, anything like that, I'm not just saying avionics. Oh, sorry. Hey. Sorry. Kill that. Anything like that, a good chart system, mapping system for your lakes, use them ahead of time. They will show you the contours. They'll show you where the shallow is. Not, I mean, just they'll show you the humps. They'll show you everything. You make a couple of phone calls, you have a very good idea. I'm going to give you one more area to look at, and that's depth. And I'm not going to give a name. I have a very good friend. He is. In case he's listening, I want to say that because he has a very good friend, um, but he's stuck on deep water. I mean, <laughs> anywhere, everywhere. I fished with him for years, and deep water, regardless of time of year, regardless of species, regardless of time of day, deep water. And he's won tournaments. I mean, if the fish are in deep water. But the problem is fish are not always in the deepest water in the lake. In fact, in my experience, very rarely, there are more fish in the shallow water. If you want a suggestion on depth, I'm gonna give you one right now. If you're in a lake, we'll say, with a median depth of 40 or 50 feet, you know, or 30, 40 feet depth, I always go right to the middle. If it we'll just say you got deep water at the dam 45 foot, I'm gonna start at 20 foot. That's where I'm gonna start. And I'm gonna start looking for these structures at 20 foot. I'm gonna start looking for the humps or the channels or roll beds or whatever in 20 foot. Unless I know differently. Unless I know differently. Or if I'm going very early morning, then I'm gonna go shallow. But as a rule, say I'm gonna get out there 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm gonna start straight out in the middle depth, on good structures. And then instead of going deep, I'm going to go shallow. Just because there are, and a bass fisherman will tell you this, OK? If there's any bass fisherman out there tonight, thank you. A bass fisherman will tell you this. There are always fish shallow. There are. And there are active fish shallow. Whereas, yes, there's deep fish deep too, but the fish that are deep are not going to be active. Not normally, and I can give you an example of that. If if any of you have watched the uh, shallow water cats video we have on Amazon, middle of the day, 75, 80 degrees, dead calm, crystal clear water, middle of the day, and we're catching fish up channel cats up to 27 pounds in five foot of water. Okay, and I mean all afternoon long. And the reason was because of the way everything was put together. We had a bay that was about 150 yards across, and there was an old dead tree line. And I mean dead to the point where the only thing sticking up anymore was the roots, you know, some little root systems going out into the water. But you could see it coming off the shoreline and out into the water, and it was really straight, like it must have been an old grove or something. And if you looked into the water, these little roots sticking up like this were all covered in moss, and there were minnows all over these things. It must have been freshwater shrimp or something. There are all kinds of little minnows in there just banging away. And then there was about a 50 yard stretch of gravel that had just really low moss, and then it opened up into a great big bulrush bed, okay. And we put baits literally right on the edge of the tree, right on the edge of the bulrushes, and we couldn't keep them in the water. Those fish were making a circle. And there was no more than five foot of water out there for 200 yards. And we took fish everywhere from eight pounds to 27 pounds, channel cats. And it was continuous. And we've done it since. We thought, oh, this is a fluke. We've gone back, we can do it again. If the conditions are right, if the elements are right, it works again. You know? And so don't just think deep. If if you don't know where to start for depth, if you don't know they're deep, if you don't know they're shallow, go to the middle depth. Find structures on the middle depth. Those of you that drift cats, and, and I love drifting cats in lakes, I really do. That's obviously, that's. That's your money presentation. But put together the dots on the bottom of that lake. There's gonna be something in there that will hold fish. It can be a two foot depth change, but if you can find a straight line, if you can find something where you put together the hump, the shelf, the ledge, the weed bed, an old tree, and you can continue to drift over those elements, you're gonna catch, if if it's possible to catch fish, you will catch fish if you go out and just drift the flats. Yes, you can catch some fish, but we're not talking about just the roaming fish. We're what I'm trying to talk about tonight is the concentrations of fish and the areas that actually hold fish that you you can repeat the drift over and take fish again. Repeat the drift over and take fish again, and that's if you put these elements together and you put structures together like this. That's what's going to happen. It, it works, guys. And, and I can't emphasize that enough. Um, there's a lot of guys that promise a lot of things. A lot of guys say a lot of things. Some right, some aren't. There's paperwork backing this up. This is not a fluke. Uh, we held off. Well, now it's been 20 years since we started. We held off for 16 years without saying a word about this. And then it just got to the point where this is silly. Nobody's talking about this. I don't know. If, I think most of you guys probably know Keith Sutton. Have to heard of Keith Sutton? Absolutely. Uh, Hall of Fame author. Um, I met Keith uh, back in Illinois when the very first Catfish College, spelled with a K, was held in Illinois back like 2002. He and I were speakers there. And Keith has written like 4,000 plus uh, fishing articles. He's in the Hall of Fame. Anyway, what I'm getting at is Keith has talked to an enormous amount of fishermen. And when we decided to publish this strategy, I, I went straight to Keith. I had been talking to him prior, but I went to him before, and I just, have you heard of this, Keith? Have you heard of anything similar? have anything to compare it to nothing and this is a guy that's talking probably most of the prominent fishermen in the country nothing and i said well what would you call this a plan no He goes, this is a strategy anyway at that point he offered to do the opening the opening narrative on the video for me and and which i appreciate keith if you're listening thank you but So there's a guy that that has talked to an enormous amount of people and he's never heard of this. And I'm not trying to do to build that up for me, I'm trying to give you guys some confidence. You need to try this. You really do. And I'm gonna tell you something else that will happen. I have had people at the end of a talk say, no, I don't don't get it, don't want it. And I've had them come back after they've been fishing and say, you know what, when I get on the water. I had to look at that water that way. And there's a reason. When it makes sense to you, I mean, your brain won't let you say no. I will guarantee you when you get on water, you will look at that body of water, and you'll look at that little riffle, or you'll look at that little current break, or that bank, and you'll go, hold it. You know? And it will look different to you. And it should. And don't fight it. Just go with it. Okay, and you know what, Lyle, I'm gonna quit right there. I wanna answer questions for guys.
0: That's great, Ted, and, and uh, you know, I don't know how many other um, videos that you have where people can purchase them besides the any fish, any water video, which by the way is excellent. Uh, people can can purchase that online. And before we get started with these questions and answers, if you would tell people where they can get them and how many there is to have. I think that would be a good idea because we don't do these seminars just every day and you don't do them for everybody. So if they want some more quality information, there's a way to get it.
2: Okay, well, right now uh, we have two videos, that's it, on Amazon. Uh, Both those videos are offered internationally through the US and Europe. Uh, you can rent them or buy them. I would recommend just renting them. You get 30 days. You know, for three three ninety or whatever, under four bucks a piece, and you can watch them for 30 days. I would recommend that. Rent it once, invite five people over, and let everybody watch it. Um, we have the Any Fish Any Water video, which goes into this information a little deeper. And then we have the shallow water cats, which is the channel cat video I was just talking about where we were just blasting them on on five foot of water. We do have uh, a few others that are coming up. I do have a flathead video that will be out this fall, well, probably spring. And I do have a prepared bait video, um, like dip bait, dough bait, uh, that will be out next spring. Uh, I've been finding out that that is a very misunderstood product um i've been playing with it a little bit i'm not saying it's the best bait in the world or anything like that but i'm just saying boy there is a time and a place there really is and we've shown ourselves that trying trying to establish that and we're going to put that out next spring also Um, we do have another lake video coming out that will be channel cats that will be in the spring also we're just trying to get all of these in the can right now and they will be all on Amazon. We've already got that taken care of. Good. So, Good. Okay. All you gotta do there is you just go to Amazon video and type in Ted L one Becker and they
0: pop up. Excellent. So, well, Creole Catfishing has a question for you. And it is what do you think the main driving force that makes a catfish choose what structure to hold on? Current speed, water temperature, time of year, et cetera. Okay. Um, Yep.
2: First off, we're going to have to divide that up. Is that a lake or a river? Uh, If it's a river, you know, with a current, the the biggest element in a river that's going to position fish is going to be the current. Uh, Now, where that will dictate where he sits on other elements. That's the question. Is that what he's asking, Lyle? Yes. Okay. The current in a river would be the driving force. If I go to a river, I'm going to watch current before I watch anything else, but then I'm going to add to it. Like, why is the current putting in there? There's something else going on, okay? There's a a dam, there's whatever. But the current is your biggest element, and it is the position. If you go to a lake, boy, that's a different deal. But if you have a, a, a wind, let's say you've had a wind out of the south, like like in the spring you got a wind out of the south for three or four days that will position fish up on the north end probably in the bays will push warmer water into those bays. it also pushes the algae it pushes the freshwater shrimp and all the little fish follow that and then the big fish follow the little fish so in a lake i would i would want to know first off has the wind been steady for three days out of the same direction if it has then I'm going to look for structures where that wind has been been beating the shoreline. You know, if it's out of the the south, I'm going to be looking for structures on the north if if the wind's been coming out of the south for three days. Change it. If it's out of the north, I'm going to the south shore. You know, if it's consistent, but it takes a while for a wind like that to affect the fish. Right. You know, it takes a couple days to build that up.
0: And then for them to move and... Yeah, Get adapted everything yeah i i can relate to that david funk had posted a flathead question early in the show and uh david if you're still watching go ahead and repost that now so i don't have to go all the way back through all this chat
1: and find I it. Ask something loud. you can't uh, last time you was on here ted you went into a little bit of detail about chasing flatheads because all of us that's catfishmen love to chase that elusive big flathead and yep. you was talking about the way that they move when you say they might be biting and then they all of a sudden they quit biting. Do you mind going over that for a minute?
2: Not at all. No, flatheads are kind of my favorite. No, <laughs> 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 well, I can talk about them. <laughs> Probably more than one. Thanks. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I can talk. About them. <laughs> yeah, flat, flatheads, the, the biggest thing I that I think – fishermen don't understand some more are i'm hearing more people getting back to me about it but most don't is that flathead are very very structure oriented obviously but people don't understand there's three different structures on those fish and they're very species specific to though to the flathead you you've got you've got nursery, which doesn't really affect you guys, you know, fishermen, and that's where the little fish all, you know, the little guys, they're up in the little root balls, usually very shallow water, undercut banks, where the big fish can't go. Because if the big fish can go there, the little fish aren't going to survive very long. So you got the nurseries, but then you have your staging. Okay, I'm going to add right now, I get this, this isn't all my information, this is information, I've gotten from game fishing, parks, organizations that have tracked these fish. So this isn't hearsay, okay? Flatheads have a staging structure, and usually, systematically, will be during the day. Depth doesn't really matter, but the cover and current levels are incredibly important. A lower current where they can rest, essentially, and heavy cover. They like to get literally under things. Okay. And they will sit there all day. At night, they will move out of that structure. Here's where guys mess up. They stay there. They Everybody fishes a log jam, right? I mean, I do too. And you, you, you lock up, you get there about eight at night, you sit there and, and about 930, you catch a fish. We're going to pound them. 1030, you catch a fish, 11, you catch a fish. Midnight, you get a bite. One o'clock, nothing. One thirty, nothing two, two o'clock nothing they quit biting no they didn't they did not quit they moved they went up into a feeding platform that feeding platform can be up to a mile away and this is every day it's called a deal period it's a 24 hour feeding period okay and they will move along and this and this is why like the bank fishermen uh, like the pole fishermen bank poles, lines that kind of stuff they catch the big fish right along the banks that's why these fish are moving along those little highways on shallower water up into a feeding platform and that feeding platform if available will be under nine foot deep that's not fiction that's fact flathead want to hunt in under nine foot water nine foot and under for water it could be below a ripple. It could be below a little low head dam. It doesn't matter. But they will hunt in shallow water. And the reason is because of the way they're built. You want me to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> the, way, the way they're built, they can sense up. The eyes are on top of the head. The sensory organs are on top of the head. A large part of them. Okay. They cruise along about eight inches off the bottom. And they're basically sending sonar out. Okay, they've got their whiskers down here checking, but but they're sending sonar out, and they can pick fish up a certain distance, and that's the key. If it's twenty feet deep, they have they have trouble locating the fish, and they have trouble connecting with the bait fish because of the depth. I mean, if it's twenty feet deep, that bait fish he can scoot all over the place. Nine foot deep, that flathead comes up four foot, he's already on top of it, and the fish can't go anywhere. See, And, and Genetically they just evolved that way. So they want to hunt shallow. But most guys will sit there and sit on that sit on that log jam all night, you know and, and then, but then then they'll go well, but they'll, they'll start biting again about five, right? About sunrise, they start biting again. Well, they didn't start biting again. They started coming back to their staging structure. They've made a big circle. They've gone from the staging structure, the resting area up to the feeding platform, and now they're coming back. It's sunrise. They're going back to bed. So, yeah, you're sitting on the log jam sunrise. You get a couple more bites. But if you would have left the log jam, going into the feeding structure, if you can, you would have continued with the bites and then followed back to the log jam at sunrise. And most people don't under, don't get that. And, and sometimes you can't do that. I mean, just because of the way the land is, you can't follow them. You know, sometimes, and that there's nothing you can do about that. But if you can move with them,
0: the bite will continue. They didn't quit. They're feeding all night. So, so let me ask you a question about that subject. Is that why undercut banks, especially on the out, out bends of curves, are so productive? Yep, exactly. Because yep. they're they're going underneath that cut bank, and yep. those fish are up in underneath there, and they're yep what's yeah. underneath yeah. it. Yep. It's and, if you, and if you look at the mouth, you know,
2: the mouth on a flathead, the lower jaw is undercut.
0: Overcut, yeah, overbite. Yeah,
2: yeah. The under jaw comes out, mm-hmm. that's because he's coming up and he's biting like this, you know, up, up. You look at a channel or blue, the, the lips are basically, there's a little overbite or pretty even. And that's because they're used to coming straight behind or pinning the bait on the bottom. And, and that's why these species I mean, that's why they can survive together. Because yep. this species feeds this way, this species feeds this way, this species prefers this, this species prefers that. If they all preferred the same thing, they'd kill each other. That's right. <laughs> you know, that, that way, that's the only way they can survive. Flatheads hunt a certain way, blues and channels hunt a certain way. Makes the biggest difference blues and channels, I have found, is the depth. I have found that blues like if 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 the channels are at twelve feet. I'm going to start blues at 25 feet. The yep. channels at 30 feet. I'm looking for 40 feet. You know, they're mm-hmm. always about 10, 15 feet deeper than the channels. It seems to me, anyway.
0: Right. Dave Funk's question was: Are flatheads affected by the thermocline in a lake, even if even if the deep water has structure? Yes. You have to be. Yes, they have to be. That, that's an oxygen level
2: thing that 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 any fish is, any living organism
0: that's right? Right. I, I agree. Yep. Miller Time Fishing. I had a question here for them. Um, thermocline always affects fish, not enough water below there. That's not the one I was looking at. I got one for you, Ted. When we go to chase those big bullies... When are we going to go chase those big bullies we are talking about? Big bullheads? Yeah. Okay. I, right. love, I love catching bullheads. All
2: right. That's fine. I, You know what? I have two. Um, up here we've got three species. We've got the yellow, the brown, and the black. And believe it or not, they all like different things. Um, if he wants to know when to go get them, I would go in the spring and again in the fall. They turn on the feed bag like up here now in, in about two weeks. Um, if I was going for a brown bullhead, I'd probably be going with crawdad tails and I'd be looking for rocky shorelines. If I was going for yellow, I'm going for basically submerged weed beds on, on gravel. If I'm going for a black bullhead, I'm looking for mud and bulrushes. That's it. I mean, up here. Now, You're see, here's where you got to be careful because those are the elements up here. That those species want, where you are, that can change. You need to know that. Right. Okay.
0: Right. 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 Makes sense to me. I'm trying to see. I know I've missed some. If you guys have put in the in the chat that I watch here, if I hold it to like Dave's question, I held it steady so I didn't miss Dave's question. And then when I moved it, it went past a whole bunch of chat that i never got to see so if you guys have asked questions that i have missed please go ahead and resubmit them while we have ted on here we want to get all the questions answered that we possibly can uh, yeah
1: ted this january i learned a big lesson i guess i i guess the question i was going to ask do you think that a lot of our ways of fishing and thinking comes from the old wise tales or the myths that we've heard all of our life about the catfish.
2: Which wave tells that?
0: <laughs> There's so many.
1: Yeah, I mean, deep water, big cats. Uh, you know, like January, I would have never thought in January in the wintertime going shallow for catfish. But we was in four foot of water catching 30s and 40-pound blues in two foot of water. In yep. January in North Carolina.
2: Yeah. Um, down in South Carolina. that I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Marlon Armseth. Uh He's a guy yes. in South Carolina. He's a friend of mine. Uh, I fished Cooper with him. And we were actually drifting in two foot of water in uh, February and just pounded him. You move out to deeper water, and you had all kinds of other fish, but the blues weren't out there. Um, right. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of different things that go on that that I can't explain. Just like tell me we had a cold front coming in here tonight. Some people tell me the fish are gonna turn loose, some people are gonna say they're gonna shut off. Well, we found out yesterday the channel cat shut off and the northern pipe were cranked up. Same structure, you know, with the cold front. Two days before that, we were just nailing big channel cats, you know. So and yet, other people tell you just the opposite sometimes. I think there's more involved than that. I think if you would break that down more to time of year and what forage is going on and how it's affecting the forage rather than the fish itself, and the big fish. Right. Um, I don't know if that answers the question or not. I, I think you have to think through each situation, frankly. I do. You know, um, I've seen big, big cats very, very shallow, and I've seen or you got to be deep to get them to My my buddy would tell you you got to be deep, but you know <laughs> he's right fifty yeah. percent of the time.
1: Well, one you. of the questions that I'm seeing is uh, somebody wants to know we do have a lot of bank fishermen that's in here that comes into our shows. He wants to know how can he apply the system that you just
2: told to bank fishermen. To bank fishermen? Yes. Oh, he, not a problem seriously uh, does he fish flatheads if he does that would really give me a good one to give him
1: didn't say he I mean, did not say okay S, S. Smith let us know if that's what you're targeting was flatheads uh, if, so
2: yeah we'll go into it though that's 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 a great question and, I, and I'll just start if it's flatheads I'll add something else um, but yeah bank fishermen. We use it all the time bank fishing. Lyle, you just seen the pictures that Jory had. Yes. I just just, so quickly, my daughter Jory, she went out. um, She's a good fisherman, but but she went out. She found this little structure, not any bigger than a yard, you know, like a a house yard, um, on this lake, and uh, she found an old creek bed right along the shore. She had wind coming in and the way she described it to Lyle actually was there was more activity on this side of the lake than this side. She was just visually seeing that and there was a creek bed over there and some rock on one of the shorelines. She went over there, she's catching, you know, big channel cats. She caught this big Northern yesterday, you
1: know,
2: and and that's all off the bank. You know, uh, I fish flatheads off the bank consistently. And all it is, is finding the same thing. I want to find, depends what time of day I'm going, but if I'm going early morning or or early evening, I want to find a good uh, structure that's holding the fish, you know, where they're staging, uh, and I'll start there. I also want to know where there is a feeding zone and if I can get to it. Now, if you're fishing other fish, you have to look at, does this species move? Um, like walleyes come from the deep water, they go to shallow water. Flatheads move from the staging structure up to a feeding zone. Bullheads will come in shallow. We are just talking about them. Crappies will come up under the docks. Um, you need to know what they're going to do, but you can intercept fish. Like as an example with, with, with the fish, like with flatheads. I have had a situation where I know where the staging structure is, but I can't get to it because it's, I have to go across private property and I can't. And it's a half mile downstream. I can't cast to it. But I know there's flathead staging on it. But I've got a ripple about 25 yards off the road right above this bridge. You know? (laughs) And and most people don't fish it because it's only about three foot deep. And there's like a couple little trees along the bank and this and that. And we set up right below that ripple and we don't catch any fish. Go we'll figure, until about midnight, and then all of a sudden, boom, boom, we'll, we'll, we'll nail fish for an hour, hour and a half, and then they leave. Well, I know where they're coming from, but I can't fish there. I can't get there at sunset to fish that, so you kind of have to look at where are they going to go because they do travel. I mean, a deer goes out of the bedding area into you know into the cornfield back into the bedding area. The fish move from one area to, to another. And if if you can find it, you can intercept them. It, it it's just that simple. I don't know, I don't know if that helped him out or not. But 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 look for where they are now, and where are they going to go? Where are they going to be? And you don't have to be exactly where they're going to be, but how they're going to get there, and you cut them off in the middle. Okay. Well, that bite might not last all night, might not last all day, but you'll get that two-hour period where they're right there.
0: It's it great information. That is great information. Sitting hooks and crossing eyes says Does a flathead change its diet different times of the year? Oh, sure.
2: All fish do. Whatever's available and uh, what also whatever is easiest to catch. Um, you know, there, there's times of the year where uh, on certain bodies of water where the little shallow bays, the shad are just stacked up there. You know, I mean, they're thick. You throw a cast net, you got a five-gallon bucket. Well, the fish that move up in there, sure, they're feeding that. But, but maybe in the winter, they're actually feeding on killed fish, on dead fish, shad that are winter killing out in the deep water, and sinking to the bottom. You know, but but honestly, a flathead, in my opinion, doesn't eat much in the winter anyway. If anything, yeah, yeah, they will change. They will change according to the to the fish that are available. my, my opinion, people can argue this, but my opinion, a big flathead is a predator and he wants fish. It may change from bluegills to crappie to shad to perch to bullheads to other catfish during the time of year, whatever's available, but he wants big fish.
0: The biggest he can get. Garrett Blank says, what should I use in a river be fishing? Wrap, bottom bouncer? Walleye fishing? I'm guessing. I would guess so.
2: Yep, wraps and walleye. Okay, and bottom bouncers. Yep. Yeah, well the, Okay, are you trolling or are you anchored or are you drifting or?
0: That's I that's guess. information that's okay. not available. Okay,
2: just, just wide open. I guess I would probably say if this is for walleye fishermen, I would I would go with a Lindy rig, uh, and probably a double hook crawler harness in the middle of the summer. In the spring, I'd go with with a minnow, and in the fall, well, probably back to a minnow, In the summer leeches or crawlers, and I do sing, single hook on the minnow, single hook on the crawler, or on the minnow and the leech, double hook on a crawler. Uh, probably put a float on it, I would uh, I would avoid trying to pull that downstream, I would try to keep the nose of the boat going upstream just so you can use the current to keep things straightened out, you know? that. I would pull plugs, but I know they pull a lot of plugs for walleye up in Selkirk on the Red River. But they will run uh, down river back to the dam. River's full backwards up there, so you're running down river back to the dam, and, and then pull your plug upriver so you can c- control the depth. Trying to pull a plug downstream is almost impossible.
0: I'm sure well, you're right. Uh, Muskrat Adventures. How do we compete with the insane shad hatch? Different strategies? Could you repeat that? He says, how do we compete with the insane shad hatch? Use different strategies?
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, what you have to do is be more precise about your bait presentation and put it on your nose. I mean, seriously, if the food's there, uh, kind of like picture you, Picture me walking into a McDonald's, you know, and I sit down at the booth. If there's eight burgers sitting there, I'm gonna pick the closest one to me. You know, um, the ha- the shad hatch is a booger, and that there's nothing you can you can't stop that. It's just no. happen. But it's what you have to do is is go after the fish where they're gonna be. You go back. It just goes back to the strategy. Where are they gonna be, and hit each element and put it right in front of them, and slow your presentation down during a hatch like that. If, if you got a dead stick it for 10, 15 minutes in front of their nose, maybe they're not hungry, but it can irritate them. You know, can you, you still get them to strike, but you're going to have to put it right in front of them.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because they're full. That's it. Um, Miller Time Angling says, okay, here's a question. Let's talk about flatheads going dormant. Okay. But does doesn't that apply to a to mainly water temperature? Because I know down south a lot of the time they catch flatheads year round.
1: We do in North Carolina and South Carolina.
0: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Most mostly water temp. I, I think it's it, uh, it's just a cold blooded trait that they have. It's a genetic thing they have. I think possibly uh, it goes back. Well, I guess I'd have to say centuries. Where maybe the body of water, and this may sound a little silly, but the body of water they have during the cold water doesn't have the amount of food they need to survive. They have to back off. Uh, you know, if the metabolism stays high, they starve, you know, and go weak. Uh, whereas the blues blues and channels, um, you know, they, they have a little bit different feeding way. They, they're a little more susceptible to dead baits, winter kill bait, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, whereas down south maybe the hatch stays better, the, the, the forage fish stay more active, the flatheads find food easier. And also, you know, a cold blooded animal gets a little stiffened up and maybe they aren't quite capable of, of hunting as well. When it gets colder and down there it doesn't get as cold. Right. So they just continue. That that would be my guess.
0: Makes makes sense to me. Um, would you touch on barometric pressure for just a second? Okay. I like a stable barometer.
2: I don't, you know, just period. Stable to me would be the best. Uh, also, my opinion, I prefer a rising barometer. Um, that's it. You know, a falling barometer for a short period of time can work, but it, at least for the way I fish and what I fish, it's going it's to slow me up.
0: Here's a great uh, question from Fishing with the Chad, if the shad hatch has creeks overloaded with shad, is it better to fish around the creek mouths or somewhere else? Okay. I think
2: if I was in a creek and they were overloaded, I think I would not use shad. I think I would use something else, like maybe a green sunfish. Just to change it up just a bit. And I would probably go to the creek mouth where the fish that haven't been in their feeding all day are coming in.
0: On their way in, yeah.
2: Yep, on their way in. And I think I might even just change the bait up. I might just say, No shad, I want to go with the green sunfish, or I wanna, you know, I'm gonna change it up, give him something, put a little bacon on a hamburger. Make make it look a little different. Yeah, you
1: know,
0: give him a cheese sandwich.
1: Yep. Give him a donut after he done eat that big steak dinner. <laughs> uh one question. Now see around here we catch a lot of flatheads, if not most of our flatheads, on cut bait more than live bait. But okay. other parts of the country, I hear that people very seldom catch it on cut bait, and they only catch them on live bait
2: most of the time. Why do you think that is? Boy, it's true. Why it is, it is. I'm gonna to have to think about that for 30 seconds, but but it's true up here, you know. I have to tell you, I've fished the Jim River well 50 years, and I have never caught a flathead on cut bait. I have a friend that has caught some on cut bait. I never have. I use live well now, live bullheads, green eared stunfish, and crick chips alive. And that's what I catch them all on. That's what I catch my blues out of here too, you know. On too, um, you know what? I'm I'm not gonna try to answer that why, <laughs> and, I, and so and I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna try to try to BS you. I don't know why, and I'm not so I'm not gonna say I don't know why. I know it is that way, right? But I don't know why. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna check into that though. Maybe
0: next time I'll be telling you why.
2: Right right Good. now I don't know why.
0: James, can you or Chad post up the link to the auction? Got fishing properties wanting to know. James or Chad.
1: That uh, the auction is gone. Uh, things are mailed out and be sent out. Uh, I've got them all packaged up, be sent out. I took it down this weekend. Hat
0: auction. Hat auction. Oh, the hat auction. The hat auction.
1: Uh channel
0: have to do that. Yeah, he's done got it. Thank you. Okay, got gotcha. uh, you. not going to interrupt Chad. you, but we're about caught up on questions. And while we're waiting to see if anybody wants to get any in, I'd like to show these off again. These are awesome. Junior Proctor made these for me. Blue Dog Fishing. I haven't got a chance to get them out and get them tested yet. But if you guys are interested in them, Please contact Junior and tell him you've seen it on Catfish Weekly. He's messaged me the beginning of last week and said that he had sold a bunch of them for people seeing them, advertising our show. They are very well made. I am so anxious to get them out on the water and try them out. Give him a shout. If you're interested in a planer board, he does different colors, and he can put your name and stuff on them, I believe. But make sure you contact Junior and tell him you saw these on our show. We've never had anybody ever give us anything to promote on our show that they didn't tell us they done very well with it. We're proud of that fact, and I want Junior's experience with us to be the same way. So go check him out, tell him you've seen this, talk about these on Catfish Weekly. And be watching for a video, because we're going to be going out uh, once this holiday stuff's kind of settled down. Uh, we're going to be going out and trying these babies out, and uh, I don't know if we'll go live or just record it, but we're going to let you know how Junior's products work.
1: Somebody asked, do cats school up in holes during the winter time, say in rivers below dams?
2: As long as the hole is deep enough to give them a quiet place to lay yes. Yep. Yeah, in the winter, while the channels stay somewhat active, the blooms stay pretty active. Yeah, uh, the, the flatheads—they're looking for quiet water. It can be shallow or it can be deep. Normally, it's deeper, just because you know the current's going to the top. The bottom's calmer. Um, but yeah, yeah, they'll stay below the, the rift as long as there's some quiet water.
0: Gotcha. Ed Stanberry says, or Jason Stanberry says, we'll be talking about that cut bait presentation this weekend.
2: Yep. So, yep.
0: He and I are he and I are doing a little fishing trip. We have a date with a flathead. There you go. You know, <laughs> I fished my whole life, and I'd heard these stories about people cut catching uh, flatheads on cut bait. And I got to the point where I thought it was just people running their mouth. And oh. one night, Cindy and I was in a tournament, I caught seven on cut bait. Oh. And to this day, I've never caught another one. And that was probably, I don't know, Cindy could probably tell you more better than I am. but that had to be 10, 12 years ago. And we caught seven that night on cut bait, and I've never caught another flathead on cut bait since. And we've caught a bunch of flatheads on live bait, but never well, another one on cut bait. The only thing that
2: I could maybe offer as to why, why that happens um, goes back uh, one one Easter, actually. On the Jim River up here, there's some kids catching flatheads on, on dead suckers on the yep. Jim River, and I was just stunned. And I'm wondering if maybe there's a, a die-off of some sort, and mm-hmm. the fish are just conditioned to looking for for dead fish. You know, there, there's a shad die-off, there's a sucker die-off, there's something going on, maybe. That would, that would be something I could offer. But that's that would I, why maybe you caught a bunch one night, but not since, you know, I, I
0: actually thought it was a confidence thing, you know, because I know that we can go out and catch them on live bait. Yep. But that one night you couldn't beat them off with a stick. And we, well, I wouldn't never caught another one since then, but we tore them up that night. And I yep. told Cindy, I said, you know what? We was in a tournament over in Illinois and, uh, on the Illinois River, and I I told her, I said, I would have bet money that everybody that talked about catching flatheads on cut bait was full of crap, and here we are killing them tonight. And like I say, it's never happened again. No,
2: it, it, it happens, and, and like I say, Jason,
0: uh, that's why come he commented. He
2: does catch some on cut bait, you know, fishing yeah. channels and stuff. He does, um, and I know other people do too. But I never have.
0: But yeah, thank you, Stan. Thank you for coming and watching the show. We appreciate that.
1: I've caught two flatheads on live bait, and all the rest of my flatheads has come on cut bait. And I'm there right outside one. of Charlotte. I'm right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, on Lake Wiley. This lake has only had flatheads and blues, maybe thirty years at the most. Okay. The fishermen actually stocked this lake because Lake Wiley is split between North Carolina and South Carolina, and neither one of them will get together and stock the lake with nothing like that. So the fishermen's actually what stocked that lake, not counting some that's come from the upper lake down. Uh, so I don't know if it's like you said, conditioning, but you, the water never really gets cold. But once in a blue moon, does the water get cold enough for us to have a A big kill off of shad, and it usually is not a very large die off. So I I don't, I don't know if it's just opportunists they become like that, or what it is. I don't know.
2: Can I ask? Are are you uh, like drifting your cut bait, or are you? I mean, is it moving? Like, could it? I don't know. Most of them I've called has been anchored up on structure and stuff. Okay, Okay. I was just wondering, you know, if if you're drifting along and and maybe you're. using like a play type of a cut a flat cut that's actually kind of swimming as you're moving and, and i have any
1: like that yeah, yeah um, that,
2: that could make a difference but you're not doing that so yeah.
1: right now when i drift like if i got my small smaller baits i do wherever you talk people talk about using the flapper say i do a reverse flapper i don't leave i take leave the backbone in it simply because it bleeds more than the rest of the fish but I do a reverse. I cut from the head back towards the tail so that thing opens up. So yep. a little bit of drifting, I get more action out of that flapper. Yep. Uh, you know, yeah. I just can you can use smaller baits and get a bigger presentation. Yep.
0: Yep. <laughs> Perfect. So maybe Hill- that's. Go ahead. I don't know. Sandhill Cat Hunters uh, says Where would you look for blue catfish this time of year? In a lake. Okay. Uh, In a lake, I would probably right now go to the
2: humps. The shad are are not real shallow. They're not, well, they're shallow in the mornings actually, but midday or night. Night, I would, well, I I would go to, to a mid lake hump, mid depth, and I'd be looking for humps right now. And then I'd be drifting over the top of a series of humps, hopefully. And if I could end it up button up against the point with the wind coming into it, I'd be doing that. I go as far as depth—forty yep. feet deep. I'd be running about, trying starting out at about twenty-five foot. That'd be my choice.
0: Yep. Yep. And if they didn't have no humps in the lake, I'd be going by the drop-offs.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep.
1: And i seen a question in here earlier, Lyle. People, somebody was asking about lakes that do not have a, a river channel in the lake itself. Yep. Where would you start to even look for fish?
2: Okay. Uh, so they're talking kind of something like a frying pan lake with, with nothing in it? I just Probably like like a, Mont, Lake Monticello made.
1: down there in South Carolina.
2: Yeah. You know, it's
1: a man-made lake.
2: Yep. Yeah. Just, just flat. Uh Right off the bat, if I was planning a trip, I'd be looking to see, I would be looking to see what direction the wind had been out of for the last few days I, to start with. And then I would probably, are there any points, I'd be looking for points that are getting hit hard with the wind. Um, secondly, if there aren't that, uh, are there any, is there any standing timber anyway, or are there any bays? If there's any bays, I'd be trying to get on a point on the bay, like on the bay mouth where you're coming off a of shallow water, kind of a feeding type thing into the deeper deeper levels of the lake. Right. Um, you're still tr- going to have to put some type of element together if you want to concentrate fish. Right. I mean, you can, throw, you can throw bait in anywhere and get a roaming fish. But If you want right. to concentrate them, you're going to have to try to put something together.
1: Right. But lake Monticello does have a lot of standing timber in that lake. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a tub. Now the guy that you sent Lyle in boards, Junior, he likes that lake. He can catch fish on that lake can all stand right. timber and catch good fish. But there's a lot of people I know hates that lake because there's no there's no river channel, so they they have trouble with that lake. I yeah. count the standing timber steals a lot of their dagun rigs, but yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Junior does very well on it.
2: You know, yes. the, one, the one thing you, you got to remember though, and, and can actually be your advantage, say you're on a lake that doesn't have the creek channel, it doesn't have the roadbed, it doesn't have a lot of things. If you can put something together, say with the wind, something else, a point, whatever, then you do have a prime structure in that lake because there's nothing else. Right. You know what I mean? You're still, oh. you're still. Putting something together that isn't anywhere else on that lake and it will congregate fish or should. Sure. There
0: you go. Yeah. Gareth, thank Good you so fine. much. I'm glad you're enjoying the show.
1: I've been joining the crap out of it myself. Wow. I don't <laughs> know
0: about you. Uh, you know, we always have a great time when Ted's on our show. And, and, uh, was this the third one? Yep. Third one. And, and, you and I talked and you visited with Jory and we're going to try to get her on here whenever her schedule aligns up with us. And, yeah. and I think that young lady has got one of the brightest futures in the fishing industry that I know, and it would be great to have her on here. and and uh, whenever she's ready or she has a time that, that she can do one, we would sure like to have her on here. And I know that she learned a lot of her stuff from you, but she's a female and she's going to have little things that are different than what you do or different ideas and stuff. And I think that it would be awesome for her to share those with us if she would. Yep. Uh, We talked to her about that and she would love to do that. She just,
2: she's, uh, she's had a busy schedule right now. She couldn't do this one.
0: And that's fine. I, I got that. And, and, you know, She's a worker. She's got a job, and people that have jobs, you got to take care of them because tomorrow is not given to anybody that has a job. So if you've got a good job, you have to, you must take care of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's, you know, I don't know where she got that,
2: but she's kind of responsible. <laughs> 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 uh, that's
0: the way my kids are. And I guess they got it from their mother.
2: Yeah, must have been. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, it's but kind it of funny how you were saying that she see, you know, a woman sees something different, but when she spotted this little place out on this other little lake, I have to tell you, she said something. She noticed something that I really wouldn't have. She was watching the carp surface over there. And she said, it's the only place on the lake I was seeing, seeing the fish surfacing. Wow. They were carp, but she picked right up on that, and that's what drew her over there that and the wind going in there and just like that's the only place these fish are surfacing over there. and they were carp you know but they still fish yeah something else She said the more activity
0: over here that's she caught some giants yep. But,
1: yep yeah that's right activity i mean just because it was carp i'm sure that there was other activity that she wasn't seeing going on closer to where she is at a hey, good choice uh that goes down to little small details don't it
0: yep it does Yep. It sure can. Yep. Yeah. A lot of times being an old tournament guy, uh, a lot of times those small changes like that will mean the difference between uh, being in the money or not, or being on the leaderboard or not. Oh, absolutely. Yep.
2: That one, that one bite can make all the difference. (laughs) It sure can. All the
0: difference. Yep. It sure can. Well, I don't see any more questions coming in tonight. Ted, I can't thank you enough for doing this show with us. We really appreciate it. would love to have you back on next spring when you kind of get things lined out and get ready to gear up for everybody, even if you just want to talk about where you're going to be doing seminars or new videos and stuff that come out. And if Jory gets a chance, be sure to let her know that we want to have her on here whenever it's convenient for her and, and uh, whatever day works for her, if we have to move somebody around, that's what we'll do. And most of them will understand that because I just uh, she, she grew up with a pretty good guy showing her how to do things. And if she's picked up some stuff on her own, it would be some really quality information to yeah. share with everybody.
2: Well, I know, I know she'd be happy to do it. She's already told me that she, she'd love to do it.
0: So. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Well, we're already getting a lot of good reviews on the show. Uh, James, you got anything to talk about tonight before we go?
1: No, but I just want to say thank you, Ted. Uh, I was looking forward to this. Uh, I enjoyed the last show you done. I got a lot of great information. I'll add more. I'll watch this again tomorrow and probably watch it again. You know, before (laughs) before too long. And I take notes. And guys and gals that's in here in chat, I hope you took notes. If you didn't, go back and watch it tomorrow. Take plenty of notes. A lot of great information we appreciate
0: you sharing it with us ted I, I
2: really appreciate you letting me be here i just hope it did you justice that's all
0: all right yeah. it, you done you done awesome ted we appreciate everything you do for the sport not just for our show but for the entire fishing industry uh, all the stuff that you do and and the information you share um, and a lot of the information that you share is kind of like a few of the others that share information. A lot of people would never hear that or figure it out if it wasn't for somebody helping them out along the way, which in turn makes all of us catch more fish. So thanks so much. Um, Be sure to tune in next Monday night, and we'll see everybody right here on Catfish Weekly. And Lyle, it wasn't